Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this episode is one of our deep dive episodes we're gonna deep dive into how we watch star wars literally and i literally mean literally the way literally literally used to mean anyway i am joseph scrimshaw 
I'm Ken Napsock. If we're talking about how we literally watch Star Wars, I mean, I'm in sweatpants and I got some sort of taste treat with me. <laughs> sweatpants and taste treats man that sounds like uh, some old uh, old song by a little 60s beatles knockoff band i'd love to hear that uh but we're gonna have a ton of fun diving into just discussing from going from our youth to seeing star wars in the theaters to now the fact that it can be streaming on our phones to all those different experiences and how much it, it affects and changes how we feel about the actual story of Star Wars based on the experience of how we go about seeing it. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to go to a few offers. First up from Audible. We always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. That is over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Victories Price by Alexander Freed, the final book in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy. We are both enjoying our journey through that book, and we'll be discussing it relatively soon. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center again. And finally, that's audibletrial.com slash center free audiobook. Can we have another offer? We do indeed. We have another offer from Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. Uh, they're offering 35% off their cro- across their entire website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35 or visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Now this week, we're recommending this book. Do you like Swamp Vines? Do you want to try Mutafari and Molten Lava Cakes? Well, then you're going to want to get Star Wars Galactic Baking. This comes out May 4th. I have an advanced copy in my hands. Mmm, the treats look so good, but I'm uh, afraid to bake, and this book is going to help get me through that with great things like this entry, Dex's Diner Pastry Case. That's right. You can have the same pastries Dex is selling, the Jedi. Just do so by going to InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35 and check it out on us. Joe's. Yeah, I am looking forward to uh, paging through that. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll make some uh, YouTube videos of direct disastrous cooking attempts. <laughs> <laughs> we should, you and I should try to make. And then Jen... Jen Landa just comes in and goes, guys, here, let me show you how to do it. <laughs> Jen's had some really good uh, videos of uh, things that have turned out and then things that have been a little bit of an adventure. And uh, that would be really, really fun. Something to look forward to in the post-pandemic days. Uh, Force Center F's Up Baking. Look for that series. YouTube loves conflict. Uh, we will have some conflict in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I said wonderful, wonderful. I love this idea. Excellent. Excellent. We will uh, get back to that in the post-vaccination times. Uh, But for now, we're going to talk about a return to the theaters, right? Uh, It is coming in the not-so-distant future that people are going to be able to safely gather in movie theaters again. And that got me thinking about the history of how we literally watch Star Wars, from theaters to VHS tapes to streaming on phones and in airports, as I know you have done, Ken, and how all that changes our experience. So I wanted to kick off our conversation uh, by asking, do you have a favorite Star Wars viewing experience uh, from the pre-Disney Lucasfilm days? Uh, Yes. So the, the Return of the Jedi, seeing it for the first time, but, you know, the details are so fuzzy, uh, seven, right? So 
I almost can't answer that. But for me, I tell you, it was Phantom Menace. It was Phantom Menace. It really was. Friends, friend came uh, down from my hometown. I had been the one to wait out and buy tickets. I waited out and, and buy the, bought the toys. We waited in line, um, early showing. And yeah, yeah, and nothing can nothing can take that away. And even even my changing, uh, you know, uh, views on the film over the years to where I am now, tremendously positive to on that day, slightly confused. And you know, you and I talk openly about that journey as, as Star Wars fans of our generation. Nothing, nothing can take away that feeling seconds before uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away uh, popped up on the screen in May of nineteen ninety nine. Right. And just the, like the energy in that room. Right. It was, it was, it was, I, I remember turning to my friend, uh, uh, Gavin was his name. He'd come down uh, a good friend of mine from back in second grade. And he drove down to, we were in Winnetka, California, out here in the San Fernando Valley. And I just grabbed him by the arm and he was kind of a bigger, bulkier dude. And I grabbed him by the arm and I just shook his arm. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I will always remember that fandom menace experience. Uh, and it got replicated a, uh, to some degree in, in a different way by the force awakens, but yeah. you know, uh, the Lucasfilm coming on in Phantom Menace in particular, that huge cheer, and it just died down when, you know, the uh, long time ago came on, and then there was an energy of like, screw it, do it again, huge cheer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, this is weird, but I, I, I did just try to be a Jedi about it and like close my eyes and, uh, and take logic out of it and just uh, uh, listen to the Force. And for me, I think it is Attack of the Clones in 2002. Um mm. That Phantom Menace experience was everything. Got some great memories of the original trilogy as a kid. Um, but I, I, Phantom Menace, I think, or the Phantom Menace was great and so many memories and all that. But, um, you know, for my general age group at the time, there was a lot of pushback uh, on Phantom Menace. And then uh, the Attack of the Clones wasn't as big of a group. It was... Uh, just a, a handful of friends. Uh, it was my girlfriend at the time who uh, wasn't a big Star Wars fan, but it was very supportive of my love of Star Wars. Uh, and in particular, uh, my friend uh, Doug Shaw, who is um, big, he's a hardcore Star Wars fan as well. And he was a big part. Uh, he's the one who organized the the Phantom Menace line uh, that I got to see Phantom Menace in. So this is kind of continuing the tradition. But the main thing I remember is just, I, as much as I recognize, you know, criticisms that I still have to this day of Attack of the Clones, it was so Star Wars with right. just all of the lore and all, it's, it's Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting Jango Fett and, you know, finally on screen, a water planet. And the it, it, there's so much about it that I was just kind of head over heels with the Star Warsness of it. And the thing that really puts it over the top for me is, you know, they did not uh, let it slip that Yoda was going to have the lightsaber. It was in the air yeah. that it was possible. Mm. And as that moment built, as Dooku was saying, you know, oh, yeah. this can't be decided by our knowledge of their force, but our skills. And, you know, Yoda gets that look. Uh, he'll never forget my, my friend Doug just started pounding his thigh right next to me and just <laughs> screaming, you know, because yes. this is, this is decades of playground coming true of like, do you yeah. think Yoda has a lightsaber hidden somewhere on Dagobah? Do you think Yoda would ever have a lightsaber? Nah, no, 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 no tipping of that in Phantom Menace. And just, I thought he was going to break his leg, <laughs> pounding his fist so hard in, in just the, the excitement of this incredibly weird moment, you know, that he, I, I think that moment is for me, like one of the just real true, true joys of, of seeing Star Wars in the theater. 
Yeah, look, I know we've said this before in the six years of broadcasting, but I think it's it's apt to mention it here. You and I share the same opinion of, of that scene of no matter what you thought later on, we were there, man. And I sometimes want to point up some of my old friends, uh, older Star Wars fans around me and be like, no, man, I heard you cheering, man. <laughs> and I know you say you hate, you hate this film and George sucks and the prequel sucks and the Star Wars Disney sucks and everything, but you were there and I was there and I heard you cheering and I heard you crying <laughs> tears of joy. Don't deny it. Don't deny it. <laughs> You scream for Yoda bringing out that blade. No. <laughs> His vocalization. Yeah, so that, that was a big one uh, for me. Uh, we're going to talk in this first half of the podcast about some of those uh, early experiences for us uh, and going into young adulthood, all the stuff before uh, the Disney Lucasfilm sale. And then in the second half, we'll talk about some of the more modern stuff and some of the changes. So I wanted to start there with favorite pre-Disney Lucasfilm experiences. I also want to get into uh, this big picture question, Ken, of Star Wars is solidly a television franchise right now as well as, you know, a, a cinema franchise. But how much of Star Wars is a cinematic experience to you? When you think of Star Wars, how much of it is like it it, it belongs in a movie theater? There's something about it that that makes it absolutely cinematic. How do you feel about all that? I understand that sentiment and at times have and perhaps will again express that sentiment. Um, thankfully, you know, uh, Uncle Bob hasn't stood on a stage and said, we're done with Star Wars and the movies and we're concentrating on just Disney Plus, even though that's what they're doing right now. We know Patty Jenkins, Taika Waititi, other movies, other trilogies, rumored and, and, and facts, whatever it is, that day will come again. And, and that's pandemic aside or any current, current state aside. Um, but I, yeah, it's why I struggled a little bit more with Mandalorian before the Mandalorian even hit. It was just wonder. It was, it's, we're going to discuss it. Discuss it, so I'm gonna. I'm not gonna hit on it too much here. But it, why wasn't super into the Clone Wars as much as I am now? Um, all that's there because it is a theater experience. But I think when I break it down, break it down. Yes, it is hearing the seismic charges on the big screen. It is feeling like you're underneath uh, an Ad at Walker on, on all that stuff. Yeah, totally. But what is it? it, it you and you and I are describing it. it's that communal experience. Um, that is what sometimes might be missing from Mandalorian for me. Yeah, I usually watch it with Grace. I know you usually watch it with Sarah. But I remember, you know, because Mark Ellis has talked about this too. It's even in his stand-up act now too. Of just like, you know, just John Williams music just blaring all around every every you know inch of my head is Star Wars to me. And here's Mandalorian, and I love it. And I enjoy it, but it pops up on the screen, and it's like doom 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 doom, and I feel like I'm having a Friday night by myself on the couch. And he, you know, he says, so I know, therefore I don't love it as much. So I, I like that too. But Ellis and I watched uh, uh, episode two of season one with our friend Christian Rubicaba in, in, in a hotel room in 2019. And it was a communal experience and we had a great time. And I think that's part of what people think of or feel when they say cinematic experience. It is that Star Wars community coming together. This is so great because I got some questions coming up about this, but I was curious how quickly it would come up organically in our conversation yeah. about the difference between sort of the um, the technological experience of seeing something in a theater with the huge screen and the amazing sound and, you know, the the popcorn and all the tactile experiences, how much of that is important versus how much is it the joy of experiencing it uh, in a community and with a group of people. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think we're going to be revisiting that as we, you know, talk through this idea of, you know, how does it affect the actual story how you see it. Yeah, it really does. It does. It does affect you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there, you can kind of split it out of like the uh, the storytelling, right? Because Star Wars has always made an effort uh, to keep its on-screen, with the exception of maybe the holiday special, to keep yeah, its yeah. on-screen storytelling cinematic, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the just the aspect ratio of the Clone Wars and, you know, the million different moments of Filoni talking about like, yeah, the, these he wanted every, these were not, eh, it's a cartoon. This was, yeah. this, we're making a little half an hour movie every every episode right mm-hmm. so they're constructed to always feel cinematic and i would argue that mandalorian still feels cinematic i, I totally yeah. understand what mark is saying about that experience so like the storytelling always has like an element of the cinematic to me but i think because i grew up with it being this incredibly rare treat uh that movies came out you know very rarely and they were movies um that that will always be a part of what star wars is to me but I was I was trying to think of the right analogy. And my wife and I just did an, an episode of uh, of my podcast obsessed about takeout food because we're getting so much takeout food um, yeah, yeah. during this time. And uh, you know, there's this uh, place in Los Angeles that I know you know well, Ken, the Smokehouse. Yeah, <laughs> great supper club, right? Where part of the point of getting the food there is to go there, right? Yeah. And be in that environment where you can just kind of you you can feel in the walls that Frank Sinatra used to have arguments with people here you know yes you can feel the history in the place there's uh you know you uh, in Grace uh, invited Sarah and I to go there specifically on a night where there was a great singer right Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. so it's got this vibe that you can't get anywhere else without going there totally but Sarah and I have been getting takeout from there and like the food is special and the food is great. <laughs> and I absolutely still love the food and it's still delicious. And you can even get cocktails to go and you can kind of, you know, have the smokehouse experience at home, but it's never going to be the same as going to the smokehouse. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's ultimately the way I feel of like star Wars is always star Wars in its one experience uh, to, to have it at home on the television, like <laughs> great takeout. Yeah. But it's never going to be quite the same as going to the supper club, going to the yeah. movie theater and and having being surrounded by uh, fans and randos and the mm. smell of popcorn, you know? Yeah. And Marvin Robinson singing. Oh, that's just at the smokehouse. He's the great one. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, exactly. And, and we're in a new era where it's like, um, I guess, with food and Star Wars, where I, I feel you know, I don't feel a complete loss at all. I love, I love it so much. And, and we're going to talk about just, you know, how many times you watch Revenge of Sith on your phone. Uh, you know, it, it's a lot, but yeah, there's something special about having two loaves of uh, cheese bread uh, in the, in the restaurant. <laughs> exactly. That's what we want at Star Wars, two loaves of cheese bread uh, with a community. So let's go back to the beginning then. What mm-hmm. do you remember of the, you know, actual tactile, physically there theater experience of, early Star Wars viewings. I know you saw Return of the Jedi first. Uh, what are those memories like? I wonder, and, and, and you know, absolute wonder. And I touched upon a little bit on a, a spotlight Star Wars I released this past weekend. I'm just like, I remember driving or parents driving away uh, and me looking up to the stars. And it wasn't like, now some people looked up the stars and said, I want to, you know, take a space shuttle or I want to design a satellite or, you know, uh, get into science and, and, and other people were storytelling. I was definitely a kid of like, oh, I want to, I want to become a George Lucas. I didn't even know what that meant, but I do remember driving away seven years old uh, or, or so. And, and, and just looking up and just thinking the, the adventures out there, that world's out there. And the second time I saw it, we saw it at another theater in our town. 
and down the street from my house. And, and that was one that my sister cried and my mom had to remove her because Yoda died. And my sister just kept screaming, Yodi, yo, Yodi, yo. Um, <laughs> totally uh, understandable. Totally understandable. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so other than that memory, it just, I remember really, it sounds cliche. It sounds like, uh, man, they're just so positive over there at Force Center. They actually love this stuff. I just remember walking in a theater, just wanting to go back to that world, back to those friends I made in that world. <laughs> and and knowing what's going to happen, obviously, I know that they're going to blow up the Death Star. I saw it. I saw it two weeks ago. Um, but knowing that um, I just want to live in that world again. And I think if you're a Star Wars fan, and it's similar to any other big uh, genre kind of entertainment, uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Doctor Who, anything that we talk about, um, it's you really feel part of it. And that is what I remember. And that's, it's not necessarily tactile, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not describing the, the popcorn, I guess it's, uh, uh, but I remember that as well. All that, all else faded away, Joseph, cause I was there. I was, I was in the world. Right. So in, in a way you're like your tactile experience of the actual theater is the theater working the way it's supposed to of it melts away. Reality melts away. And you remember being in a different world. Yeah. hundred percent. And then later on, I started processing the storytelling of it and wanting to tell my own stories, but that is what I just, and that is why sometimes I struggle with some, you know, I, I can, I, I know I can be wonderfully uh, curmudgeonly and grouchy sometimes, but you know, Oh, can you love game of Thrones? You'd love Vikings. I, not really. I love game of Thrones and <laughs> I love living in Westeros in my head and studying the history of Westeros and Essos and everything. I really do. I got pulled in by that world, not the story the story is there. And I love it. I got pulled in by the world. Star Wars. And that's the difference between not that Vikings isn't good or Outlanders and good. All these other shows I constantly get recommended. Oh, you like swords and dragons? You should. No, I know. I like Game of Thrones. I like Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I watch uh, Outlander uh, and enjoy it. Uh, I would not make a Game of Thrones comparison myself. Uh, but that is an entirely different podcast when we, when we start doing other center and talking about random uh, television shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love what you're saying though of of what your memory is is how it made you feel and disappearing into a world and that makes a ton of sense to me of um mm -hmm. I think that is some some of the power of Star Wars is it felt so specific and as a kid I wouldn't be like yes yeah, because George Lucas likes anthropology and he allows mm -hmm. characters names to be pronounced two different ways and here are the building blocks of creating that authenticity it's just you don't have words for it you're a kid in it feels like you went to a different time in a different place uh, and you want to live there. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was my experience. I have very dreamlike memories of seeing a new hope and empire strikes back. Um, you know, I've talked about, I was living in Portland, mm -hmm. Oregon at the time of empire strikes back. And I remember there's like an intersection of bridges where kind of in my mind, it's incredibly high in the air. It's Coruscant, but it, I know it's not in reality, but where like one bridge passes under another bridge uh, mm -hmm. of freeways. And we only took that route if we were going to the theater. And like, that's one yeah. of my memories of like, if we're going through this section of freeway where the bridges overlap, <laughs> we are going to magic plays, you know? Uh, so I have those kind of dreamlike memories yeah, yeah. of Empire Strikes Back. But then, because I was a little, getting a little bit older, I have really concrete memories of Return of the Jedi. I remember the buildup of being extremely concerned that a tall person would sit in front of me because, you know, oh, yeah. the seats weren't as raked back then. Mm -hmm. uh, I, the, it was around the time of concerns about uh, people slipping razors into candy at Halloween and tampering yeah. with 
with aspirin. So I was, I was telling him, I remember like, I'm choosing not to have candy because I don't want to accidentally die during Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And, and we're certainly not laughing at the real life incident behind that. But man, was that I lived with that fear every day. Yeah. I mean, if people try to tell you, you know, that everything was so much simpler when you were a kid, I've never felt that about uh, nuclear holocaust razors and the candy. Uh, 80s myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm ducking under a, a table in my elementary school, hoping the apple I have to survive on if the blast happens doesn't kill me. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there were, I had some anxieties going into Return of the Jedi, but we had got the, you know, it's funny to think of just how different a spoiler day it, it was. We had like pre ordered the uh, storybook and I think we read like the first half. So like we knew some stuff that was coming. My brother and I remember really viscerally sitting in this, you know, uh, relatively small theater at this point. I was living in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, luckily, no, no tall people sat in front of me and discussing, you know, which are the parts that we knew were coming up or were we most excited to see how that would possibly look on the screen. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, how, how can that, how will that possibly look when Luke Skywalker gets his lightsaber and Boba Fett blasts off? Yeah, uh, And I remember almost more than watching it, I remember the excitement of sitting in that theater that I was actually going to see these things on screen. Oh, um, and, and some of that magic just really, really remains for me, I think, to this day of like, uh, I can't wait to see that on the screen. I can't believe that's on a screen. You know, I think that's some of the reason I love some of the things in Mandalorian season two so much of like, you know, like strip away everything else. I can't believe, uh, you know, that's a Mandalorian actually fighting a real crate dragon on mm. screen, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I I went to, you know, Ray crying over what we now know is Finn, but every video had 14 theories, mine included, Chewbacca and everything, whatever, you know, and and going, oh, I'm going to be able to see that on the screen and be just pulled in by that moment. Yeah, it drives us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think that there's it's interesting that a lot of our memories for those early viewings are are dreamlike. Uh, I bet we have some crisper memories as we marched uh, (laughs) uh, to the future. Uh, So after the the films are out of the theater, right, they we have all these years between the original release and the special edition re-release in 97. And there were different ways to experience the films, right? There were uh, some television broadcasts. Uh, there were VHS tapes. Uh, there were laser discs. Uh, maybe there were some screenings, uh, different places that people got to see. How did you experience watching Star Wars in the years between the original release and the special edition re-release? Yeah, it was uh, mostly if I saw the VHS tapes or it was at a friend's house or for a special occasion, rent them or on those days where I don't know, either sick day or it was like, mommy, can I watch star Wars? We'd go to movies to go our rental place nearby and get the the VHS tapes. And, and, you know, I think they had three or four copies of each movie at the, at the store, but there's a chance you show up there and all were checked out. Wow. What a, you know, I had to double down to, you know, something else and oof, I, I, you know journey natty gan again or something like that with a good movie <laughs> um so yeah and and that was that but the only copy we had i i know we've re- referenced it before but was like t- a, a new hope tape from tv so i put that in all the time and that's why i still remember where the commercial breaks are but that was it we didn't own it we didn't own copies it wasn't until i was in high school 
and working a little part-time job, but I bought my own VHS copies going into coming in out of high school into college, actually. So we're talking early, you know, I graduated high school in 94. So about 92, 93 was the first time I owned my own copies. Wow. We were on a, a similar trajectory then. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I remember it being a super big deal when uh, Star Wars, uh, when A New Hope in particular was on uh, television for, you know, very hyped up, very special. And, you know, it was like 47 hours long with commercials, right? Because they, yep. they knew, they knew, like, we can pack this thing with commercials, you know? Yep. Uh, what a weird experience that is now. Yeah. Um, the One of the libraries we went to in in Minneapolis, I think had like a or one of the suburbs of Minneapolis, uh, Brooklyn Center, I believe, I think it was that you must have been able to, like, sign up to put on headphones and watch something quietly in the library. But, like, every time we went to the library, I didn't get to do that, but some different section of A New Hope was playing. And, like, yes. I knew the story from storybooks and trading cards, but I didn't see it on the screen. Uh, we didn't. It, we did not have a VCR until shockingly later. My my parents are very slow <laughs> to uh, adapt to new technology. Uh, so I remember I have like I like that library because it had like an open uh, space on the second floor, and I would always imagine that was the hole in the Death Star <laughs> by where the Falcon parked. Uh, and uh, in particular, I have memories of catching the the Obi Wan Vader fight and going, "Oh yeah, that's what it actually looks like." Mm-hmm. Not just a frozen image. That's what it looks like when they move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I only had it in kind of bits and pieces. And then it wasn't until I was in, in high school as well that I got the VHS. And I didn't know, uh, you know, I didn't have any uh, real cinephile friends. I didn't know the difference between widescreen and pan and right. scan. It was just Star Wars at home. And then that's what I just watched the hell out of mm. is that those pan and scan VHS and I did not realize what I was missing until much older, you know, uh, in yeah. particular, uh, the character that we now know is called cannon house, uh, being smashed by the asteroid, you know, to, yeah. you know, so many friends thought that was new in the special edition cause we'd watched it on pan and scan VHS. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. you touched on this a little bit, but I was really curious what the sort of social experience was. Did you, when you were able to rent it uh, and you didn't have to settle for a lesser film (laughs) or a different film, (laughs) was that like an event? Did you watch it with family? Did you have friends over? Did, did your siblings watch or was that like just you alone (laughs) on a Wednesday afternoon disappearing into star Wars? Like most of my childhood, me alone. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was it. I, I still, I mean, I'm still kind of, uh, I watch things alone. Uh, you know, uh, Grace still wonders if I like her. Cause I'm like, no, nah, I'll just watch something on my couch over here. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm just <laughs> a quiet, solitary kid always have been. Uh, and, and so that was it. It was, it was, uh, Ken's got his tapes and, uh, going in now, you know, um, I had a slumber party where I first saw the, the trailer for return of the Jedi and that, that kind of communal experience. Uh, the first viewing of Empire was at a friend's house and it was like event on Friday. Ken, you're finally seeing Empire Strikes Back. Um, uh, you know, so there's a lot of things, those things. But Star Wars, which also lends to this idea we keep talking about here a lot of, of uh, all of us, it doesn't matter when you grow up, you might feel you're the only one that likes this and you, then you're connected and your unique Star Wars journey is is a shared one. But yeah, back then, I, I thought this was my, I knew it was big. I knew people liked it, but I just, I thought it was me. It's what it's what Ken liked. I had friends who liked it too, but then it wasn't until like high school you start getting a, you know, around more kids beyond just your school, your elementary school, your junior high, 
um, is when the the shared reference references and you start kind of like, oh yeah, you know, you like Star Wars too, and we can talk about it in a in a deeper way or a f- more fun way, and the kind of weird thing like that. But yeah, it was me alone staring at the screen, going, "This is my world." Yeah. And that's so fascinating because I think it just, you know, that means it's both a social thing and internalized as a, uh, you know, a, a, I, I privately, me, have my relationship with this and I get to disappear into this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I had a, a, a similar thing to it. When we first got the VHS, and I think it was a family event that we'll sit down and watch them. And uh, my brother and I uh, would watch them together, but I would watch them by myself a lot because I just kept wanting to go uh, back mm-hmm. to that world. And I remember very clearly uh, in high school, uh, a friend had a birthday party and knew that I had the VHS uh, and was like, hey, will you bring those? And yeah, it, it was we talked about the playground a lot. And like when the movies were actually, you know, out and in the kind of mid 80s, you know, 84, 85. Yeah, yeah people had the figures and people kind of talked about it. But then other things became popular and it seemed like it was this thing that was going to be in in the past right and i remember that particular slumber party being like oh wow people everybody my age still likes this <laughs> in the in the, not everybody but so many people and like that's the one i've mentioned a couple of times where we were just watching empire and the the first transport is away we all did ah! and had it with the fist up and had that realization of like we all know that film that well you know <laughs> that's not yeah. happening with other films you know no, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, there's things along the way, but yeah, nothing quite like that for me with other friends, like the depth yeah. of uh, experiencing it and knowing it, yeah. Yeah, so it's a great moment for me in that period where it's like, okay, this is this is kind of a, a private world that I disappear into, but also other people do too, <laughs> which yeah. means it can be a social thing, a community thing, and that was really cool. Uh, yeah. So so in that era, uh, it doesn't sound like you had, you know, uh, the cool aunt or uncle who's a cinephile that can tell you all about uh, aspect ratio and bring over the laser disc mm-hmm. <laughs> and slap your hand if you reach that uh, pan scan VHS. Uh, odds are good that we are not we were not watching pristine versions of this film of these films. You know, do you think that changes how how you see or feel about them to this day? That a lot of your just getting deep into the world of Star Wars is watching it on. VHS that isn't even widescreen. Yeah, well, it's funny that Star Wars VHS uh, copies was when I really first understood what that meant. Right, you, you, gold or silver? Which version are you going to buy? And I had to understand <laughs> why my mom. Well, my dad probably got it, uh, even though he's not a cinephile, but he's a, he's a techie and engineer type. But uh, I was with my mom. I don't want to see the black bars on the screen. I'm missing things. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we all went through in a generation. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, I don't know. I'm going to this spot here. It's just like I only recently. Uh, I think. For some of the stuff we did with Force Center with some of the doing the little commentaries, I had the original DVDs of Phantom Menace. I had never really seen redone Yoda. Mm. Like, it was puppet Yoda for 20 years for me. <laughs> Phantom Menace. And I never I knew I knew in the back of my head that they did it. I just didn't care. I, I had I had I, what do I need? I don't need, you know, and I, I'm someone who loves to clearly collect things and, and hoard, you know, but. Uh, I have no problem buying, you know, I can't tell you how many different versions I have of Return of the King uh, on DVD and Blu-ray and whatnot, uh, but I just did, I didn't care. And I, I wonder, this is a great question, Joseph, because like, I like I didn't care that I had the New Hope TV copy, right? <laughs> of course, you know, so it might be, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it means for me ultimately that 
I do, even though it was much as like, if, if I tried to watch a VHS pan and scan version now, I would be just be like, no, sure. I right, can't right. possibly do this. But I think for me, it means that I, I just, I developed a, a bond and a, in a care for the core of the story and the experience yeah. of going, uh, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away uh, that, you know, that that experience is so powerful that it overrides the technical a lot. You know, mm-hmm. if, if Star Wars can survive, you know, not everybody, but plenty of people watching it <laughs> uh, on Pan and Scan VHS and that be their first experience, then the the sort of core of this story in this world is strong enough that it can survive anything. <laughs> yeah. If Star Wars can survive the beat up VHS TV copy, it's got to do it. <laughs> can survive absolutely anything. And I do. I'm not an expert on formats and I, and yeah. I do care more now but I think it is like, yeah, I, I want to see, I just want to go to the world more than I want it to be the specific pristine experience. Look, I was very shocked that I figured out when Favreau switched the perspective in that episode of Mando. Oh I, yeah. More often than not, I'd be like, what happened? <laughs> it was so effective. It worked so well. Yeah. Uh, what was your experience then of seeing them again for the first time in the theater in 1997? Uh, so, you know, this is a great spot, you know, it, Coming out of uh, college, I only did two years of college, started my radio job, and uh, that might have been a mistake, but the radio wasn't. Um, <laughs> and so I had friends at the radio station, friends from uh, high school who were in the, still in the area. And when I, I've always said it, but when that announcement came out, it blew our minds. Like, you know, we had heard rumors of new Star Wars movies, and, and so it was, it was a crazy fun time to be a Star Wars fan. And I raced out to the theater that uh, I ended up, when, ended up working at the theater. Most of my friends work at the theater, but I, I waited in line. And I bought two showings. It was like 10 a.m., 10.30, and like noon or whatever it was. Those, the first two showings of the first day, I bought, I just, and I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I didn't, I didn't know if I had a credit card. I think I emptied everything I had. And I bought <laughs> like nine tickets per showing and was going to just either sell them, but I ended up, I think I just gave them to friends of mine. And I, I, look, my friend circle was smaller, but I, I couldn't find people to go with me. Weird. Uh, I, I had like three extra tickets every time um, and I couldn't sell them back. I wasn't going to. Also, I'm someone who buys one extra ticket, usually at a baseball game, so I can have a seat between me and, and the fan. All right. I have, I have, I have a thing. Um, so, it, but it was fun. But what was interesting, I'll never forget this. I'm being honest. Like, it was great. We're seeing all the, and oh my gosh, more footage with Biggs. And, this, and then the, it ends. And then we all, everyone who was with me was kind of like, wait, are we going to do this again? And I was like, yeah, we're going to watch the next showing. And even the, my excitement trailed off. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we all kind of sat there. If we had, if we had cell phones, we didn't, it was 97. We didn't have cell phones. If we had had cell phones, all of them would have been out. <laughs> and we watched and we forced ourselves through a second viewing of new hope. And I say, I use that term on, like we all were like, well, Ken bought them. I guess we got to stay here. <laughs> Why do you think that was? Do you think that the thrill of seeing it on the big screen wasn't as thrilling as you had expected? It wasn't as different of an experience as seeing it at home? I don't know if it was a, it wasn't a kind of letdown. The Jabba scene was, you know, you know, we had thoughts on that. (laughs) Um, I wanted to see it again. And there's part of me, you know, and if I had been, around i don't know if i've been around you if i'd known you in 97 you were this was somewhere in minnesota i think would have been like yeah raw let's charge ahead 
Uh, if it had been with Mark Ellis, I love Star Wars. Let's watch Star Wars. Um, but everyone around me was like, well, that was fun. And I was like, yeah, one more time. All right. <laughs> and again, which speaks to the communal experience and maybe those in your community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I had a such a good experience of it because it was a little bit of an explosion of, oh, you know, people really want to talk about this now. Like right. I had that glimmer back in high school and you know, this is now I was in college and doing more performing and really making friends with a kind of an improv sketch community that was all really excited um, about uh, going to see this. And I, I think that was, uh, for me, a, a kind of a time and a place where uh, hanging out with lots of comedians who really wore the badge of, I don't care what other people think. The point of doing comedy is to get to be yourself, you know? Yeah. So there was a real, like, we don't care what anybody else thinks. Uh, we, we want to go see Star Wars. So being in that environment, I think, really, really helped it be mm -hmm. uh, yeah. exciting. When I was trying to just viscerally remember, I had forgot that I, I was very, very short on money at the time. Yeah. And one of my contacts was messed up in some way where it wouldn't quite stay on my eye. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I hope my contact kind of stays in place when I watch Star Wars. Please <laughs> contact. And it is, it wandered a little bit, but it didn't take away from any of the joy. Uh, I remember seeing A New Hope. I saw A New Hope twice. Uh, yeah. I think I saw it once with some improv friends. Then I saw it once uh, with a, another group of friends. And people laughed at the moment where in A New Hope where Vader says, you know, I sense a presence I haven't felt since. And then turns kind of abruptly, you know. Right, right. right. Um. But at that point, I was so into it's Star Wars. You know, I had uh, at that point already been thinking about like, you know, the depth of pain we see in Empire Strikes Back and the, the torture of Luke's journey and what's going on in Vader's head in A New Hope. I was really thinking about it in a like, let's dig in and talk about the ideas. And to hear this whole audience laugh is like, Darth Vader turned too fast. Mm. <laughs> I got so angry. It's like, don't you laugh at Star Wars. Don't you laugh at Star Wars. <laughs> Joseph Scrimshaw story. <laughs> uh, you know, weird thing to say when I was just going on about, I was around a lot of comedians, like, don't yeah. you laugh. Uh, but it, it was one of those moments for me that really, it, it clarified that this is something that can be uh, absolutely my personal experience of, you know, I go home and I watch these on uh, VHS and I disappear into that world for myself and you know I, I go in with whatever mood I want silly or deep uh, but when you pull back to it's a social experience that means you know you're you're one of uh, this large organism experiencing this together you know yeah and that was a fun part of that not just the literal physical theater experience but also the community experience of you know going to the bar uh, afterward and having those you know what to me are like i almost think of it the 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 conversations happening immediately after the special editions in bars uh was like a proto youtube yes <laughs> you know it was a proto podcast it was let's all run down the list and see if we can identify all of the changes and debate whether they were good or bad you know it was like let's rank the changes you know it's literally like the snyder cut yeah. videos that are going around now of like here's every difference between this and the theatrical cut and we're going to debate which one's mm -hmm. better that those were the conversations i had in person you know mm -hmm. and uh and that was it was the first time i really had that experience of a whole community is 
debating this. And yeah. uh, I would have had that experience a little bit, I think, uh, if I didn't go to the movies in groups. But it was even more a part of the experience of literally seeing it because it was the theater and then the conversation immediately afterward. Yeah, yeah. I didn't so much experience that, but I remember going back to like 94, 95, we did watch uh, maybe Return of the Jedi or something in our uh, college screen screenwriting class. And and that at, right after the lights came up, that was uh, proto YouTube, as you said. I experienced <laughs> that. Yeah. 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 So that, that was a good time for Star Wars to to well, kind of take its first steps into a larger world of a specific kind of social conversation, at least, you know, from my perspective. I'm sure that was happening during yeah. the original trilogy for people who are older than us. But yeah, for right. me, that that was the beginning of that. Uh, we both talked a little bit about our prequel experiences. I think I know the the answer to this question for you, Ken, but did you see all the prequels at midnight showings or did that drop off for you after Phantom Menace? Um, never. No, because I saw Phantom Menace 10, 10 a.m. Um, I mean, I'm staring up at the ticket. I got it up here. I can't read from here. Oh, so you didn't see it at I, a midnight no, showing. I've never been to a midnight show in my life. I love sleep, Joseph. <laughs> I love sleep. Uh, the only thing I've done at midnight is wait for tickets or wait for action figures. Um, and even February 1999, I was like, well, that's about enough of that. Um, no, I never did. Now, I will say part of it is uh, working in a job where I had to uh, sometimes deal with people lining up at midnight for tennis shoes or tickets. <laughs> and so, oh, OK. A little bit of that. Um, um, but not to say I don't I don't get uh, understand the fun of it. Uh, no. So my experiences were always um I'll tell you, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, it's 1030 on a Tuesday. Let's go see a movie because no one's there kind of person. So uh, my, all my prequel experiences were, um, were like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. showing one Friday night Revenge of the Sith at like 5 p.m. I think was the latest. Wow. Yeah. But I, I imagine that they were still packed, that you were seeing them 100%. soon enough, right? 100%. And look, I, I, look, I, I it, it, it was total, totally communal. And Attack of the Clones was more communal. Outside of just my immediate circle, Phantom Menace was more me and my six friends going. Uh, Attack of the Clones was me and my buddy. And I know I mentioned it before too, but just like me and him, me telling him the Jedi are kind of the bad guys of these series, <laughs> which, you know, now is super, super layered and justice for the Jedi is something we believe in here. But telling him uh, that upset him and then i was digging into him a little bit uh and and disclosure he's like my brother and he's a, a police sergeant now and everything so take that for what you will and just i was like no 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 they're doing things wrong by the way he and i had this fight this year and I'm speaking as much right now um and i remember telling him distinctly i was like obi-wan is a drunk and i'm joking and and people around us are laughing and that is the it was communal with people i didn't know so if that was the first time I experienced that, like almost like we experienced with a convention now, it was waiting, sitting on concrete outside of this movie theater. Um, and people around me going, yeah, yeah, Obi-Wan, yeah, no, the Jedi are cool. And that, and that was a little bit what you're describing too. And then, by the way, when Attack of Clones starts, and as I said before, but when Obi-Wan says, ah, first we need a drink or whatever the line is, I literally just elbowed my friend. I was like, what have I been telling you? <laughs> That is so great. Uh, justice for Ken's theories on uh, Obi-Wan's alcohol consumption, which I'm happy to have the action figure where he's got a drink. Uh, yeah, I saw all of them. Midnight screenings, Phantom Menace uh, was the, the big event. I think our group had like our personal group had like 15 or 20 of us. And then it was a part of this whole organized group that this, like my, I said, my friend Doug Shaw was kind of our entry into that world. But there was a the specific guy who. Uh, stood up and gave the this 
uh, rousing speech about uh, how great this all was, but he had been to this theater a thousand times and he knew the exact ideal seat and no one will take it from him. Yeah. <laughs> it turned from inspiring to, to frightening. Uh, yeah, Attack the Clones, I saw with a smaller group. And then um, Revenge of the Sith was an even smaller group because there had been, at this point, I had was performing at conventions, had a bunch of friends who were solidly in uh, the nerd community and had had soured on it. And it wasn't a priority. Uh, yeah. And it still was uh, for me so much. And and I remember all those uh, those midnight screenings uh, being a part of like, you know, the it's an event. This is not like anything else. I have to see them at mm-hmm. midnight. I'm, I'm curious for you with something like the prequels that that are so informed by the audience reaction and that first time you see them and the memories that you're sharing of, uh, you know, elbowing your, your friend at drunk Obi-Wan Kenobi and me remembering my, my friend pounding his leg at uh, Yoda's lightsaber. Do, do you think that those first viewings ever leave us? Do you think that they affect how we will always see those films because those first viewings with that community are so powerful? I think, yeah, I don't think they leave us. However, I, I will say sometimes, and look, what we grow, we change, and, and how we take in the movies, and maybe you like something a little bit less later, maybe you love it more. I, I I think we sometimes fight to go away from those feelings, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. In Star Wars, where you and I joke about the, the Yoda thing, but it, it's literally like your gut reaction, yes, you can find later deeper meanings and all this, kind of, but your gut reaction in the moment of how much you had fun and how mm. much you enjoyed that. We, I feel sometimes we fight to disconnect from that. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think they do, it does linger. It does go with us a little bit more. And, and you have to continue to sometimes choose that joy to, to, to keep finding it there. Yeah. Yeah. I will always uh, remember the, just the, the change in trajectory, right? Of uh, the Phantom Menace was just this huge explosion. Then immediately there was the questioning of it, like walking out the theater, out of the theater, there was the questioning of it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then Attack of the Clones was a little bit more muted, but people were still excited because the clones and, and Yoda, and even if you didn't like it, there was a lot to joke about and talk about, you know, and then by the time uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, there was, you know, for, for the, my friend group, it was, you know, a muted level of interest, but I was so invested still. Mm-hmm. And I, I will always remember being like blown away by the opera box seat in the theater. Yes. Uh, and, and having that memory, I think will always affect how I, I watch the films of that memory of, uh, of joy, as you're saying mm-hmm. from that first viewing will always be with me. Yeah. And there, yeah, there's a, there's a moment from revenge of the Sith. I still laugh about, uh, and they talk about just that first viewing. Go, I was, uh, saw revenge of Sith at, uh, Arclight Hollywood. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I was, uh, yeah, casually dating, trying to date more of this one girl. And, uh, at the time I was, uh, yeah, I'd say I'm more conservative. I was more conservative, uh, leaning back then. Um, she was not, <laughs> And so when Anakin yells out, if you're not with me, you're my enemy. And she yells out in a crowded theater, ha, Lucas hates Bush. Um, I'll never forget that. <laughs> it was a fun, it was a, it was a great, and I just, and I, and I, and I was one of the first times in my life I looked at the screen and I was like, hey, wait, you're, oh man, you're right. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> definitely for, for people who, um, 
weren't uh, of the right age or of the right time. Uh, that was, to me, crystal clear that, <laughs> yes, Anakin Skywalker just, you know, paraphrased George W. Yeah. Bush. Yeah. Um, and I remember that viscerally because uh, mm-hmm. e- even though I was generally around people who were <laughs> not super excited about George W. Bush, I was also around a lot of people who were very opinionated that at, at the time that pop culture shouldn't reference modern things. It takes you out of the world. Right. right. And, it, and, and so I remember that of being like a I remember just being blown away in general because I, I thought like, wow, Revenge of the Sith was a lot of what people wanted from Phantom Menace, you know? Mm-hmm. So many battles, so much lightsaber fighting. The opera scene was like, wow, this, you know, everybody, you know, so many people criticized in my friend's group, Hayden Christensen, like, this is amazing. And this is Ian McDermott getting to go to town. This is an amazing dialogue scene. So as I was watching it, I was like, starting like, almost like racking up these, like, uh, in the pro column of like, maybe people yeah. will love this one. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. and then we get to the, like, Ooh, a lot of people aren't going to like the, if you're you know with me yeah. or against me. And then we got toward the end of the, the Vader scream and like the, uh, the Frankenstein walk and the no. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Here we go again. <laughs> here we go again. People are not going to like that one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's also a part of my viewing of, of remembering like a revenge of the Sith of sitting there being both utterly into it as my own individual experience, but also having that, that brain of like, mm. <laughs> what is the conversation around this going to be? Yeah. Well, and that, yeah, that we'll talk about that in the modern era too. <laughs> oh boy. Yes, we will. Speaking of which we'll keep rolling so we can get to the modern area. So, uh, modern era. So finally, uh, you know, the DVDs finally start coming out. Uh, we've had Star Wars at home for a long time, but now we have it in much better quality, uh, a ton of special features. How did that change your your viewing of Star Wars to have it in better quality and to have all those special features? The special features are amazing, and, and I think a lot a lot of people listening are probably special features folks, <laughs> you know. And we're and, and and you know who you are. And even though I don't I don't really say I'm a big movie fan now. I don't watch a lot of movies now and everything. But man, the movies I love, I just take in as much as I can about the process, the stories, the people, the stories behind the creation, all those kind of things. I love and. And getting the 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 prequel stuff in my hands, because again, I, to to almost beat it to a to a to beat a, a dead shack uh, uh, too many times, <laughs> um, you know these are not super popular movies for a lot of uh, our friends, right? And and I was in that vein uh, doing doing that too a little bit, but I always talk about secretly. No one's watching me. I'll put in Revenge of the Sith, right? I'm at home alone. No one knows I'm watching this movie. I'll tell people I watch Return of the Jedi, but I'm going to watch Revenge of the Sith tonight. Um, and that grew until I met, quite frankly, you come on Jedi Lines. And I'm like, man, that 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 dude came on our show and just really opened up some thoughts for me about <laughs> these movies and made me feel more confident about, about loving these movies. Um, but it was the special features that it felt like Star Wars. It felt like oh, wow, they did use a lot of practical stuff in Phantom Menace. So me yelling about some of the green screen stuff is, you know, not as important as I, as I thought or the care that they went into it. The, you know, the beginnings the documentary that we, the Phantom Menace one, which I, I do, I, wa- I watched that like two, two, three weeks ago. I put it up on, uh, on, on uh, I think my phone, I was watching it <laughs> while I was working out. I, I've seen that 50 times. But it's so great. It's so great. But also, it, um, here I am going, ah, Phantom Menace is stupid. Jar Jar Binks is stupid. I hate that movie. But man, watching George make that movie is inspiring. And so it was a weird, it pulled me in and I, and I still, it changed. So it, it to, to your super question, your top, your, your top of the line question here. 
uh, it changed my experience because it made me just appreciate everything around these movies. And it just took a while for me to appreciate the movies again. Yeah. That's so, it's so great. Uh, that that you talk about that that path to appreciating them and mm-hmm. i definitely had criticism i did sketches where i i made the jokes i kind of agreed with everybody's criticisms yeah. but i didn't agree with everybody's <laughs> criticisms adding up to and i don't like them and i won't watch them because even when i agreed with the criticisms yeah. i kept watching them and in particular you know we've talked about i got that vhs of phantom menace that came in the big deluxe one that came with the a book and a, a little bit of a film um yeah. Watched that, got the DVD the second it came out, and I watched that DVD of Phantom Menace again and again. I got home at whatever it was, like 3 a.m. from the Attack of the Clone screening, and I didn't want to leave that world. So I watched all of Phantom Menace with the frozen pizza from like 3 (laughs) a.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. as a night owl back then, uh, practically nocturnal. Uh, But spending so much time with the... The just rewatching them, even though like, yeah, no, okay, that part bugs me, but I love this part was a huge part of, you know, what really opened me up to these movies and and partially went back from that. Like, yay, Star Wars is everywhere. It's a big part of our society again. Uh, But a lot of my friends don't like this. And it's also this private experience (laughs) yeah, where I just watch it again and again on a DVD. And yeah, absolutely. Same thing with Attack of the Clones, because I I like that one even more. Um, And the the extras on the dvds were great but then they also streamed a lot on the the website yeah yeah and i think that was the first time for me it was like uh okay i got some problems with the movies but i know who nick gallard is and then right right right. you know i know who trisha bagar is i know i know rick mccallum has to get bleeped a lot you know and i was so into the people behind it as well that that would became a big part of my my viewing experience yeah, yeah, I get, I, it's that power of the behind-the-scenes stuff of Star Wars and a lot of things, but it's never quite, for me, it's never quite like Star Wars, you know, even if I watch, I love the Lord of the Rings behind-the-scenes stuff, all the stuff, but it's like, it's it's uh, McCallum chomping gum and dropping F-bombs is, is <laughs> just part of Star Wars as anything else. <laughs> yeah, oh, there was an Easter egg also on the Phantom Menace uh, DVD that mm. gave me endless joy uh, that I don't remember how you get there. Um, but it was a scene of Frank Oz, you know, uh, puppeteering Yoda mm-hmm. back when he was a puppet yeah. and Yoda just blanking on his line, but Frank Oz stays in character. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I was doing a ton of acting at that time. So my friends and I had lots of jokes for when you forget your line and as a, you know, a fun kind of game of, you know, when, when is the other person going to forget their line and to see Yoda do it. And like, um, uh george <laughs> just hilarious so uh i think for me that that it's really clear going through all this that star wars is a big cinematic experience uh but a ton of it has been uh, built privately in my home as well <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely uh last question for this uh this half of the podcast when you started watching clone wars because i did not uh, yep. immediately watch it on television did it feel smaller or less significant because it was on the small screen and, and Star Wars was movies to you? I, I will 100% say yes. Yes. Even though I've talked about almost kind of immediately liking it and, and, and the um, uh, some of the action and some of the pew, pew, pew. I was like, no, this is Star Wars. Okay, it's great. But it just was not appointment television for me uh, in an era where you had to, you know, set your uh, DVR to record it or watch it live. Right. Oh, the old days of just 10 years ago. Um, 
So it felt it felt smaller, and therefore I viewed it as smaller. And just my interest in it was, uh, yeah, that's great. I love Star Wars. I'll, yeah, I'll watch a couple episodes and I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I might have struggled with that if I were able to watch it as it was being broadcast. But by mm-hmm. the time I did watch it uh, on Netflix, on uh, on uh, the largest television I had had in life uh, up to that point, and still, it, it's not huge. It is what I would call a modern television. But mm-hmm. I had teeny tiny televisions because I was not ever a tech-centric guy. Um, so by the time I watched it, it, it felt larger than life, which I was glad for. Um, we're going to take a quick break on that note and get into Star Wars becoming larger than life again as it exploded back onto our screens with Disney Lucasfilm. We will be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Right, so we're going to get into the modern era of Star Wars. Uh, going to kick off with the big question, a difficult question. Ken, do you have a favorite movie theater experience in our modern Disney Lucasfilm era? Ooh, yeah. Um, gosh, this is this is uh, this is interesting. Um, so how so going back to Force Awakens? Obviously, it's. For me, uh, first, and then I think uh, uh, you, Joseph, as well, it started to change uh, not only adults and different perspective, but I was now in this weird business of covering things. Uh, you were in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, unfortunately, uh, let's be honest, it, it took a little too much. You, me, and Jennifer weren't on the right list for a long time. Uh, <laughs> I was always a plus one and because of the, the full-time gigs I have at, at, the, at the other companies. So this is, by, by Force Awakens, I'm seeing it on at, at, at screenings. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to The Last Jedi and Solo premieres um, and Reven- uh, excuse me, Rise uh, back in just a, a, just a screen, I say it was at the wonderful El Capitan. So that has always been, it's, um, it changes it a little bit, but then, uh, I, I, I think it's, um, it's just a different experience and it's a fun experience. So I'm going to take the one, you know, Hey, getting to see Lawrence Kasdan load up on a second plate of tri-tip is its own kind of special thing. Right? <laughs> I, I'm going to not factor that in because just, uh, you know, everyone gets to experience that. And I've been very fortunate. I was very fortunate. Christian Harloff's daughter couldn't stay up that late on a school night. And that's how I got to um, but seeing, uh, even at the press screening at El Capitan for Rise of Skywalker, uh, you, you and I sat in a, you know, I think you were right behind me, right? With, with Sarah yeah. Grace in front of you. And here I am. I'm, I remember one point I'm kind of sobbing and I remember you reached you tapped me on the shoulder a little bit. You patted me on the shoulder. Um, and, and so that experience, but then, you know, it's, it's mixed in with a little bit of, of bad memories of walking out and having people immediately come up to try to debate me on how they didn't like it. And, and I'm literally telling them I'm crying right now. Can I go? I clearly experience this differently than you. Can I just go to the bathroom and freshen up a little bit? And then we can have a debate about what you thought Finn should or should not have said. Um, so, so I separate all that, but uh, it all boils down the same thing. And I'll, I'll end my little monologue here, anticipate a new story, getting exciting. And now because it was not in a theater, uh, the premiere crowds, it was a little different. There's excitement, but being in a press screening, there's this, uh, especially if it's on the lot, 
and it's not at El Capitan, it's in a Disney screening room. There's a little bit more of like, you need to be reserved. Um, you know, Conan O'Brien's 15 rows behind you. Don't, in, don't interrupt his <laughs> experience. He's probably changed. Um, and you're, you're part of the press, which not everyone there is part of the press, by the way. Um, and so because of that, Joseph, it, it had me focus a little bit to where every time a long time ago, a galaxy far, far away came up, I wanted everyone to almost leave me alone and not have a communal experience because I wanted to go find my Qui-Gon center and be present for what I was about to see. And right. it was a different kind of experience and each one was, was rewarding in its own way. And like when you saw that Force Awakens press screening, that was like, we're talking like a 10 a.m. There are a ton of these press screenings and this is just another. Did you feel like, was there an explosion at, you know, Han's entrance? Was the audience engaged? Uh, pol- politely, warmly. Okay. Little bit of this. Yay. We are applauding Harrison Ford's IMDb credit. We're not losing our yeah. minds because that's childhood hero Han Solo back on screen. Yeah, and there's there's fans obviously in the business, right? A lot of people get into the business because of love of Star Wars movies or Marvel, anything or whatever Spielberg stuff. Um, So it's there, but I'll tell you what, driving to force awakens, I was a plus one that day as well. And you have to drive the lot and it's kind of confusing. You don't, I'm not on lots all the time. You know, grace goes on lots every you know day for auditions or shoots or whatever. And I just, they're big, they're wheeled unwieldy kind of, you know, city centers behind brick walls. And uh, I was a little tense because I get a little bit of anxiety of where am I going to park and, and how do I do it? And then I got to sign in and oh my God, I hope it goes well. But at one point, Joseph, I'm driving uh, up Riverside Drive here in, in Burbank and I'm screaming into my steering wheel, I'm seeing new Star Wars. Just <laughs> let it rip. And I'm glad I did because I couldn't do that in the viewing. In the actual screening. Yeah. 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 That's so, yeah, that's so interesting. So many different ways uh, that, that seeing it uh, changes the experience. Did you, do you think it changed? I know you said you kind of felt like you were watching it with your uh, almost scholar hat on, right? Of like, you're there as press. Nobody's screaming. You're going to need to give your take on this. Yeah. Uh, So obviously it affected you, but was there a part of you that was like, Hey, come on, everybody scream. (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, So the rogue one screen, I know I mentioned before too. And I think a lot of today's episode is you and me kind of putting a bunch of different takes and stories we've told before here in the one, one little uh, stew here we're cooking. Uh, the Rogue One screen, I was uh, Jeremy Johns's plus one. A lot of you know Jeremy and and uh, a great guy. He and I don't disagree with a lot of what ended up happening with the Skywalker saga and stuff, but uh, uh, we went and saw Rogue One and and uh, we both just yet out, let out a yelp of joy when, when Gold Leader and Red Leader show back up. <laughs> and no one else, no, and I know that there's Star Wars fans in there. I could name them by name right now. Uh, and we were, we literally did the, <laughs> oh, just us. Okay. And, you know, when you get out of the screening, there's the line for the next screening. I always would try to get, and I still to this day, try to get to the earliest one because I don't want to be spoiled. I didn't want anyone to. So when you come out of the theater and you collect your cell phone again, a lot of times they, they'll take your cell phones now or put them in bags and whatever. You got to get a med, med, you know, magnetic bags. You got to get them sealed. You have to, you're, you know, you have to be respectful and you, you, you can't blurt out. And all of them died and Vader cut everyone up in a hallway because the next, you know, 300 people are waiting in line and they'll murder you, rightfully so. So Jeremy and I had to, we, we fast, slow walked back to his car and got in the car. Then with no, literally we looked around and so no one else was around and we just screamed how much we enjoyed parts of the movie. Um, 
uh, yeah, so it, it, it's a different experience, fun experience. Um, um, but I, I wouldn't trade any of it. Again, it was just fun. It was fun to see it all. Um, and, and the joy stuff. And it's, you know, seeing it with you on screenings or Jennifer for solo, we all went. Mm-hmm. Saw, um, Mark Ellis is, Mark Ellis is just the best. He's just like, you know, I, this is why I'm here. I love this stuff. I'll, I'll give my hot takes later. I just, I just want to be a star Wars fan right now. And, and, and I love, I saw solo sitting next to him and, and rise of Skywalker sitting next to him, uh, as well. Um, and you behind me and Mark a couple seats over like that's those, those that now it's almost like the communal experience is your real close friends who, who could speak the language still and appreciate it and have fun. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Such a, you have such a great variety of experiences. You know, I think for me, the, the force awakens initial viewings, you know, I saw it multiple times at multiple theaters that opening weekend. I remember being in, you know, Arclight and Hollywood in particular and, you know, right before that first viewing, just utterly packed. The place was just filled with energy. And like, I was literally covering, covering my ears just in case anybody, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and this, and I think I, like, I think it was like, it's, you know, it's Thursday and I, there was a seven o'clock screening and I had like a seven Oh one. So I wasn't even worried that people had seen it, but I'm like, at that point, you know, press really press, you know, had seen it. And I was like, so trying to get it in the, 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 just the joy, the, you know, I think one of the things I'll always remember is the feeling of, I'm sure many people in the theater were onto it a beat earlier. Um, but as soon as Ray said, uh, you know, not that one, it's garbage. Yeah. Like I started uh, pre-screaming <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I knew it would, that was going to be the Falcon reveal, you know, uh, yeah. and, you know, just getting to explode with the whole audience. You know, it's kind of, it's great to be in a, sp- in a place where you have permission to scream, you know, out of joy, you know, and, and I think that Force Awakens experiences were great for that. Um, my two favorite experiences might be because they were so weirdly different is, you know, saw last Jedi at Arclight as well. And Mm -hmm. the place was packed, but there wasn't that same star Wars is back excitement. It was just kind of like, Hey, we're all, we're all excited, but it wasn't that same, just electric insane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, for people who, who don't, uh, get the chance to go to the Arclight chain, they've got this thing where they've got Arclight people in their shirts and they always come out and they have the same speech. It morphs a little bit, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, welcome to the Arclight, you know, I'm going to stand off to the side and make sure that the screening is up to Arclight, uh, qualities. If there's any problems, come find a person, uh, like me who is wearing this shirt and you can always tell if the employee is a uh, also a stand-up comedian because they'll try to work in a joke about the shirt <laughs> like, <laughs> if you go here everybody knows this um and uh the 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 arc light person walks out and starts talking and there's a murmur and the and the guy's kind of weird he's like so this movie was made by someone named rian johnson it's really long probably longer than it should be so you should go to the and, and everybody the dime drops for everybody like oh that's ryan johnson <laughs> and like he's right. such a movie fan and he goes to arc lights because obviously he lives in la yeah that this was just like this fun cosplay for him of a fun way to celebrate you know that's awesome so the memory of that and it was like there was you know there were 15 showings of last jedi at that exact moment so just yeah. like total totally random that that was you know the the one that he did for that time slot and i think he bopped around town doing it at different theaters yeah, yeah uh, that's right it, and then you know just the experience of seeing last jedi that first viewing the, the you know the the comedy tone doesn't bother me at all now but it was a little like oh wow this is you know uh, we've talked about that a lot but then by the end you know i was so blown away by the luke stuff loved everything about luke and crate and mm-hmm. the force projection 
all that the first time. So I kind of went on this wild ride of like, yeah, that's cool. That was the director. Whoa, this movie is totally all over. Whoa, my yeah, oh. Yeah. And the, it, to just like kind of profound joy by the end of it. And, you know, whispering with my wife over cocktails, you yeah. know, to piece all, put all the pieces together and process it. And, you know, really talk about just how deeply emotionally affected by the Luke stuff I was. So that yeah. was, that was just such a wild ride of a viewing that might be my my top one for the modern era that's great i can't wait for the next one <laughs> i mean it, it you know I, I gotta tell you i'm pretty calm about star wars not you know ah, take a break let's get them in the theaters later a little bit later here hearing your tales here recounting so I, i'm like god bless it i can't wait to be no capitan seeing star wars again Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this short because you've mentioned as well that press screening for, for Rise of Skywalker that a bunch of us uh, went to that was like 10 a.m., uh, which is early for me. I got up super early and finished my coffee. So I try not to have to, to urinate during the film. Um, and and uh, I, I obviously we love the film. I think there was some some good response. It wasn't hugely, you know, um, vociferous. Uh, but I could tell you were affected. I was affected. Uh, we went and, and grabbed lunch. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of us, uh, Mark Ellis and you and Grace and uh, my wife, Sarah. And uh, and then you, and, we, and I had a martini, which I enjoy, especially yeah. <laughs> that early in the day. And then my wife and I were both just so affected by the film, enjoyed it so much. Like we all uh, broke up and mm-hmm. my wife and I had walked because it's a little bit of a hike, but it's walking distance from our home. And we're just both like, we don't want to go home. <laughs> uh, we want to stay in this sort of this place of, you yeah, know, just yeah. being in that movie and being in the joy of that movie. And we went to um, Musso and Frank and sat at the bar and and had another round of cocktails and whispered about uh, the movie. And then somebody else who had helped with like the promo of the uh, opening, mm. but hadn't seen it, kind of heard that we we're talking about it. It's like, don't spoil it you know, cause yeah. I haven't seen it, <laughs> you know, I put up some of the scaffolding, but I didn't get to see it, which is like, that sucks. Uh, but just like this moment of like, I was, I was like, it's thumbs up for me. And, you know, I literally got home that day and opened up the Twitter cause I just didn't look, I just stayed yeah. in this place of bliss with, with you and Mark and Grace and, uh, and then a big time, uh, with my wife, uh, celebrating, you know, all those moments that we love celebrating the, the, what the film did for Leia in particular, my wife and I talked about a ton. Um, and then the second I opened up the internet, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm yeah. glad I had that bubble of joy. Yeah. <laughs> Cause this one's going to be another ride, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think for me, it, it, that literal viewing experience of uh, what you went through too, of like, you were emotionally affected um, immediately getting the, like, let's have the hot takes and let's, you know, People have every right to their opinion, but it'll always affect a little bit how I see and think about Rise of Skywalker of remembering that bubble I got to be in for a little while where it was just about me and my close friend's reaction. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Before it became the great debate. Yeah, and I'm sure people listening, no matter how you experienced it, and, and again, we know a lot of, a lot of Force and listeners don't necessarily love Rise of Skywalker as much as us. I, I totally understand that. Or you have certain issues that maybe we don't and vice versa. But I, I, any Star Wars film uh, nowadays or any Star Wars show, it's like you appreciate that bubble because, you know, once you step out, and I'm talking about like your immediate six-person bubble, you step outside. <laughs> it's a different experience now, and you can't deny that. Uh, and it's probably always going to be that way. Um, so you find the joy where where it is. Go to the joy. 
Go to the joy. Yeah, you touched on this, but I'm I'm really curious if you know right now, uh, this moment, no pandemic concerns. You could magically see a Star Wars film with a packed theater, or you could rent out a huge theater for six friends. Which would you want to do? Which experience would you want to have right now? I let's see. Let, let me actually. I would want to. I think I'd want to rent out a big theater for five people now. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's yeah. It, look, the, so I, I did see. It's it's just a weird time, and I get I do get affected by it, and 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 and, and I have to. That's on me. It's on me. It's a personal responsibility thing. Like I can't. But last the last viewing I saw of Rise of Skywalker was with Grace, her sister, and her brother in law, and it was. Um, uh, AMC Burbank, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And and right behind us, and not a packed house, but right behind us was uh, some younger generational kids. Um, they have TikTok accounts, I don't. And through the whole, towards the end of the movie, they just wouldn't stop. They wouldn't shut up, and they wouldn't stop talking crap about Daisy Ridley. Oh. And how bad of an actor she is, and this and that, and this movie's so stupid, and this and that. And, you know, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that person i've been in a lot of physical altercations but always under under the uh, context of the job um i i had a moment where i stood up towards the end and and and, and they kind of had to be pulled away because and so i'm like i just it, it's just like it's so rude on so many levels but it's just like i don't want to be that person either um so i'd rather run out and bring you and sarah <laughs> and, and ellis and and uh, select you know friends and just uh put our feet up and have a great time yeah yeah, uh, th- this is a probably a much larger conversation, too, about as we all get back into the world, uh, what it's going to be like to be those gr- big groups. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in a rush for a lot of reasons, man. <laughs> I understand. I've had some I've had some joyful experiences, the the Force Awakens, the uh, mm-hmm. particularly the first screening of Avengers Endgame. I've maybe never uh, the first screening of Black Panther. My Lord, great communal experiences. Yeah. Um, but I've had a lot of phones out, a lot of chitter chatter, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, audible, yeah. <laughs> audible hot takes in the theater. I get it. I get it. Uh, and there's that part of me, I think that that well, always fully respecting that everybody is absolutely welcome to their opinion and things can and should be debated. That is a part of the fun. There's a part of me that just I, I just so deeply want, whether it's 500 or five people, I want to go on a joyride. Yeah. so bad with other people in the room and i don't yeah. care if it's five people or 500 i just want to go on a joy ride yeah yeah it's a great rock set song too go on the joy <laughs> ride. yeah uh yeah i'm with you too it, it is it isn't uh, i don't want it's not that I, I i'm not i don't want to you know only be surrounded by people love it and and just life just life just doesn't work that way no. uh, but with political beliefs and outlooks and this it's just it's impossible um but I'm at that age too, where it's like, I just, I just want to, you know, when you and I are in a, in a business of let's break it down. Um, but in those moments, I'll break it down later. That's all I wanted. In some of those screenings, we could, we can, we can have the hot take debate later. I ju- I'm crying. I'm literally crying. coming out of the theater. <laughs> could you let me have that? For two yeah. Minutes? Just let me have that. I'll let you have your thing. Let me have that thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was wiping away tears uh, at the end of, of Rise of Skywalker, and it was great. It was joyful. I'm realizing now that the last Star Wars film, and one of the very last films I saw in the theaters, I decided to go to Rise of Skywalker 
one last time because I kind of processed it in lots of different ways. And I realized this is the last time, you know, other than re-releases, I'm going to see a Skywalker saga film in the theater. And I went, uh, when, you know, I could see from the, the advanced tickets that that was the last day it was playing at, at Arclight Hollywood. And it was literally me and one other guy. And that guy, for some reason, kept getting up and coming in and out of the theater. So at, at different points, is uh, two people or one people watching Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and I would like to follow that up with a, a more robust viewing at yeah. some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So at this point, we talked a little bit about, you know, seeing uh, Star Wars at home on, on lower tech. At this point, how much do you personally care about format? You know, 3D, IMAX, real IMAX, Dolby surround sound, 4D, where they blow air at you, <laughs> um, all those kind of things. Uh, I am not knowledgeable, uh, super knowledgeable about those formats. I know a lot of listeners are, and that's that's how they uh, see things. So all respect to that. Um, how how do you how much do you care about format? I don't care too much other than I, I'm not a fan of 3D. Um, uh, I, I, I'm one of those get a little nauseated, which I've had I've had by some people. Oh, it's not really the 3D react. Totally. I totally get it. I almost barfed on Harry Potter. I, I got it. <laughs> um, so and I did see Force Awakens 3D. I think it's the only only modern era that I've seen in 3D. Uh, and yeah, it was cool. BB-8 looked like he put his face in my face. Great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um yeah, it's just something because then I feel I just feel I feel disconnected from this from the screen. So that's the only format I care about is to not get that. Um, the other ones, yeah, I just I want my butt to rumble on the seat. Let's do it. That's why I'm here. Yeah, so, let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm here for the butt rumblings. Yeah, yeah. I I think for me, I appreciate uh, the format if I can really you know perceive the difference. Uh, the the kind of 3D I've seen on on sort of regular screens is hasn't been great for me because there's been stuff where it's like okay, the effect sort of wears off, and then there's something mm-hmm. in the background that I, I'm not seeing it as much detail because mm-hmm. the ship suddenly popped in my face. Uh, I love seeing Star Wars movies at uh, Grauman's. Uh, obviously that as a, with all the famous photos of the, of the line of, of fans um, that, that's got such great uh, for a new hope uh, for star Wars at the time, it's got such great star Wars history and it's such an amazing theater. It's so physically uh, beautiful and then has the like highest uh, most modern tech and the 3d there is great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like seeing 3d if it's at a place like Grauman's that does it really well and I, I only really care about the surround sound when it makes a difference to the mix of the film. And that was fascinating with like Last Jedi. There's that uh, voice, that mm-hmm. female voice that says Ray in the mirror cave. And there were some screenings that I could not perceive that, but I could if I was at the right theater like Grauman's and have that like, wow, somebody just said Ray behind me. Yeah. So I only care like you if it really impacts the actual experience where I can see or hear something. Yeah. Well, and look, we, we discussed before, but like the, I, I took the solo thing, like I could not understand some of the complaints about how the uh, film was shot. And, but some of the complaints are still, I don't still don't agree with because they're just like, they didn't like the real lighting used. And I think Bradford Young shot the hell of that out of that movie. It's my favorite looking star Wars film. Um, but I, in my third viewing, yeah, I couldn't see much in the first act. It was all blue and everything. There's something with the this, this theater itself and the setting. So yeah, that stuff is a concern. And I'm like you, Joseph, I don't understand it to the degree other people do. So other, other than that, other than that, yeah, just put me in front of the screen. Absolutely. And I think solo was a great example of like, it, it is a profession to, you know, exhibit, uh, films and, and people really needed things adjusted right for solo to, mm-hmm. to really sing. And when it, in that, I think at, uh, Grommens, I saw so that Grommens, and it was also amazing there. You yeah. know, 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned El Capitan. That's where we saw Rise of Skywalker. Uh, El Capitan, if anybody doesn't know, is the Disney-owned theater, kind of in the in the heart of the real tourist district of Hollywood, mm-hmm. of the neighborhood Hollywood, uh, Hollywood and uh, and Highland. Um, and it's a nice old theater with a great big balcony, and you know it's got uh, little box seats where you can picture Statler and Waldorf yeah. sitting there, and they uh, decorate the theater, and they'll, they'll put you know uh, things from different whatever is their main movie. It's you know one screen, and they're only showing one movie at a time, and the the whole thing celebrates that. There's often you know stormtroopers that you can pose with. They often in the basement have displays of uh, costumes. So I've seen all the Star Wars films in my rotation of of screening places. I always go there once. They also usually have a pre-show. Uh, laser light show. Mm-hmm. So the reason I bring all this up, Ken, is do you think all theatrical screenings of Star Wars should have some kind of pre-show, whether it's laser lights or kids acting things out? Do you think Star Wars should have a, a pre-show to make it feel even more special? A hundred percent. Let me tell you something. All right. And I, I love one of the two reasons I love three reasons I love Arcalab. They were the first theater I knew of that I could let I could reserve seats. So my anxiety of not getting a good seat or sitting next to someone I don't like was his thing. <laughs> uh, then eventually soon you can bring drinks into the theaters. So as a, an Oasis fan, I had a gin and tonic while watching the documentary Supersonic uh, about their uh, song gin and tonic. Uh, so give me gin and, ton- gin and tonic. And um, three, I love I love it when someone comes out and gives a speech. So El Capitan, I never had been to. I've been in L.A. since 98. Never went to it until I started going to the press screens there. And, wow. Uh, you you and Sarah always go, uh, my friend Matt Key and, and his wife Brittany, they always go, screenings or not, they always go there. And I always hear how great it is. And then uh, the first one I ever experienced, I, I went to, um, it was me, Harloff, Ellis, and Catherine Reitman, um, and her husband, gosh, well, I forget who now her, is her co-star on her, on her show, uh, Moms, the, the mom show, Single Mom, whatever, the, the, the great show she's got going on there. Uh, we also the Muppet uh, movie, the, the 2011 one, right, or 12 or 13, whatever it was with okay. Jason Segel. It was the first time I've ever been. And look, it's Muppets, it's Disney, and you can have thoughts on Disney owning this theater, whatever. It's 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 unlike any experience I've, I had ever experienced. It's, it's, it's so fun, and it's so old school. And they celebrate it, and it's very self-aware that we're giving you this experience that you kind of can't get anymore at the multiplex. And uh, and it works, and it works, and it's so fun. And part of it is the uh, yeah, the organ coming up and playing Star Wars music or movie music. It 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 it, it absolutely adds to it. And and uh, I know it can't be done everywhere, but I, I'm kind of serious. I, I wish every movie didn't just have trivia slides. I wish it had <laughs> a little presentation that gets you in the mood for watching a great adventure. Yeah, like even if it was just opening weekend, it, there is just something that it makes it extra feel like an event that this is not just, eh, I'm bored and eh, maybe I'll check this one out. You know, it really gets you in a mood to be open and just try to receive it as entertainment and as a story, not as much of a thing like that, you know, you have to thumbs up, thumbs down. It just gets you in that mood of like, we we left the house on purpose to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We chose to make this an event. And, you know, the laser light show is really fun at El Capitan. Yeah, the organ yeah. Uh, playing is always really fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would love, I would love if, you know, uh, that's very much Disney doing its Disney thing, having a little bit of Disneyland, Disney World in this one theater. But I would love it if, you know, if uh, I, I went to, you know, uh, some uh, theater, you know, back home for me in Minneapolis, uh, you know, not owned by Disney. And uh, the the people who own that theater, uh, their kids were putting on a skit. <laughs> it, you know, it would still make it feel like this is special. 
and yeah. and I I want that out of going to the movie theater these days. Yeah, something special indeed. Yeah. So uh, Star Wars is obviously now on television a lot. Uh, it is, of course, Mandalorian, Clone Wars for a long time, but coming back, Rebels, Resistance, Bad Batch, all of the live action and animated stuff that's coming on Disney+. And at home, uh, many people have, you know, bigger screens, Damn. better sound. You know, a, a nice home theater setup is not even remotely rare anymore. Does that start to erase the difference between TV and movies for you? The fact that, you know, there's a big difference from, you know, our uh, reminiscence of our childhood where, mm -hmm. you know, the screen was huge at the movie theater and then it was, you know, a tiny <laughs> CRT yeah. television uh, with commercials. This is you know, a different era where the home theater experience can be a little bit more similar uh, quality wise to yeah. the movie theater experience. Does that, does that change things for you? Yeah, no, look, I, look, I, you know, Christopher Nolan would agree with me. I, I think we need to have movies in the theaters and, 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 and uh, even though I don't go a ton, I can't wait to go back a little more easily as well. Um, but yeah, no, it does make it easy. Uh, you know, I have a, you know, a decent sized screen now. He said humbly and hopefully modestly, uh, Grace has got one of those TVs that I can see what the actors uh, thinking now. And, and that's definitely added to it. So yeah, we're all kind of blessed when, you know, most of my time in LA, uh, I had a old computer monitor strapped to something on a wall. <laughs> um, well, never replaces it. And, and, and you can make other jokes too, but I love being, you know, at home and can press pause to go to the bathroom or stretch out in my sweatpants and, you know, only my dog's going to bother me. I, 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 I think that has great value. Uh, and it, we are part of that generation where it is different and, and going to um, uh, the, the long night episode of Game of Thrones season eight and, and no, no, you know, no discussion on what people think about that show or that season. But that third episode with the big battle and I could see it. My settings on the TV happened to be right that night, I guess. I just I just, I just and I've mentioned before, I know, but I just can't tell you that if, when I was watching the beginning of that battle and thinking I said out loud, I cannot believe I'm watching this at home on my TV can't believe that I'm experiencing this epic battle, this story at home on TV. It has changed. And I think you sometimes got to let it change and, and know that there are two different ways and you will go back to the theater and they will, you will, will be at Star Wars will be in the theater again. Um, but you can, you can take in these stories now and it can feel the same. You can have the viewing parties when it's uh, safe and sound again. And the game of Thrones parties were so big and popular and the experience uh, can be fun, but you also can have your friend who won't stop making jokes and you have to tell him to shut up. Um, <laughs> too. Um, but yeah, no. So um, it's, it's, it's uh, the two different experiences, but they all lead to star Wars. Yeah. I think for me uh, that it, it is amazing. Like you're saying that uh, can kind of have a, a, for me, a perfectly great technical experience at home. And I don't yeah. feel diminished like, Oh, I, I have to watch star Wars on my tiny little screen. Like uh, right. in, and again, I'm not, you know, as uh, tech focused, I don't have the greatest speakers, but it, it works for me and it feels great for me on the sort of the technical experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you can't replicate, the social experience of being in a, you know, 500 seat theater with randos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that social experience you can't replicate. But for me, I think I am getting some of these same sort of, this is a special appearance, uh, a special experience. This is a special event. I remember in particular, like, um, I think partially because of the, the, I was so invested in the story and the great aspect ratio trick uh, that Favreau pulled off that I was so blown away by that first episode of season two of Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we got to the episode that was called the Jedi. So we knew yeah. that 
it was going to be the Ahsoka episode. I went through a ritual before I hit play and, yeah. you know, you know, I was ready at midnight and tweeted my joke and took a photo like I always did. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom one more time. Uh, I'm going to refresh my drink. I'm going to kind of, you know, adjust myself in my seat to make sure like my body's ready. And I didn't really realize I was doing it, but like I was doing my at the theater experience because like, oh, yeah. I wasn't like I was at home and I could pause, but I wasn't going to because I was about to see Ahsoka, you know? Yeah. In action. And I, I went through the whole thing that I do at the theater at home. And that for me was like a kind of a wake up call of like beyond the social experience of seeing it with a big group of people, I'm not missing out. No, oh, that's well said. Uh, yeah. Especially the first episode of Mando, you know, which also was that big dance of, you know, I think I ended up having a, a PlayStation to Roku to the Disney, you know, finally we, the graces Roku uh, got the uh, show up first. Yeah. And, and, and it was, uh, you, know, I you know, sometimes Grace or I will be like, hey, it's okay, honey, you can start it. I'm getting chips or pouring the drinks. And it was like, no, 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 sit up, sit, sit down, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> We're watching. This. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very different experience, but like knowing that, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole social media spoiler discussion. Yeah. Cause that's, that's heating up now e even more about, you know, team it's fine to share spoilers immediately and, and, and uh, the team. No. Um, but it's simply a reality that by the time I put down, you know, my, the PS4 controller at the end of an episode of Mandalorian or, or, you know, uh, MCU show, I know there's going to be a whole community of people discussing it if I want, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it still is a social experience, but a very, very different one. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about uh, uh, streaming when it's up on the television, but how do you feel about watching Star Wars on your phone, your computer or tablet? Um, do you like it? How does it change the experience? What is that about for you? No, I, I love it. I, I watch um, a lot of, uh, Clone Wars on a, for a Clone's report. I actually watch most of it on my phone uh, with uh, AirPods in on a treadmill, and you know you get the experience. It's a hundred percent different experience. Now I didn't watch season seven like that. I made sure I had a big screen up, and it was fun and cinematic in its own way. But no, and, and I just love uh, a lot of times it's the background. It's and I think a lot of people know, and uh, you know you put a, a movie on and a Star Wars movie on in the background, and you check in because you've seen it fifty nine times that year, and you just kind of can you experience it in a different way. Uh, and I love that experience as well. So, um, a lot of times here working, uh, on my computer home studio here, I'll bring up Disney plus and, and, ah, you know, I'm going to put on uh, last Jedi in the background while I work. I don't even have, I don't even have the tab up. I'm on Google docs typing something and I just hear last Jedi, you know, uh, so I'm okay with it. You know, I don't want that to be the first experience. Uh, you kind of touched on it. You know, my experience with Mando well, season one, episode two was in a Phoenix airport, uh, up all night, stranded in an airport, watching on the phone. And, that was not my favorite viewing of what ended up <laughs> to this day is my favorite Mando episode. So yeah. uh, viewings can't affect you, but I'm okay with watching it wherever I can. Yeah. I'm totally in the same, uh, same place where like the first viewing I want to be, you know, on as big of a screen as I have access to at the moment, but I can't tell you, it's, it's like, this has changed my life that I have almost all of star Wars available at my fingertips on my computer where I kind of live, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I spent a lot of time on my phone, but in particular, you know, I, I will spend most days at my desk because I'm, it's my job. I'm, I'm writing or editing a podcast. I'm on my computer or in particular, you know, 
doing research for Force Center, right? Yeah. And it is such a night and day difference. Like, um, particularly back when I was doing Star Wars counseling, right? Uh, those episodes uh, where I would just really like, okay, I really remember somebody's got a question about this exact scene in Attack the Clone. So, like, I really want to make sure that I'm remembering correctly. What is the sequence of that dialogue? And, you know, the, the actual word that Padme used is key to this person's question. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes I Google it and it's like, that scene's not on YouTube. <laughs> right. Right. You know? So I'd be like, okay, well I can get up and, you know, put the disc in the difference of just having star Wars at your, your fingertips. And I can't tell you the number of times uh, that it's, that uh, it's either for researching something for force center or just for my own joy. I absolutely love, like, I am clicks away from Return of the Jedi, and I want to look at the Luke and Leia on the bridge scene, and I'm getting pretty damn good at just guessing <laughs> exactly where it is, yes. you know, just uh, putting my uh, cursor exactly where I think that uh, scene is on the on the timeline, you know? You're, you're killing me. It's, I'm so, uh, uh, there was a, they're in that big Star Wars Schmodown tournament last year. Uh, Molly Damon was competing, and, and, and Alex was uh, watching in another room, by the way. Uh, and uh, there was some controversy that people thought he was in the room feeding her the answers, which is insulting to both uh, Alex and especially Molly. Um, but uh, he and I were texting, and there was a, a challenge came up with a question. It was something about Dak or something from Empire. And 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 Alex sent me a screenshot of, of the with subtitles. And I was like, dude, did you have that up? were you watching? He's like, no, I just kind of brought up empire and I know where to go. I just seen the movie. Somebody, I just went there and it was there. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And for our clone wars viewing, mm-hmm. you know, there's something I, you know, because we're really watching it. I've seen these, most of these episodes at least three times, sometimes uh, more than that. If it's an episode I love, uh, yeah, yeah. but I'm really watching it in this sort of different intimate way. And it is in the most wonderful way for work. Yeah. yeah. And I love that fact that I'm, I, I'm not over on my couch in entertainment land. I'm on, uh, you know, my computer and I almost have this different relationship with it. And it's, it's extremely joyful. It feels really intimate. Cause I'm just like, you know, obviously my uh, computer screen is not as big as my television screen is, but you know, it is when I've literally, you know, got bad posture hunched into it, (laughs) (laughs) just, you know, with the subtitles on, you know, really relishing every, every shot, every moment, able to pause, write down a note, go right back to it all on the same device. It's a really different in like, I know, I know when I describe it, it sounds like it should be Mm. technical, but it feels strangely even more intimate, you know, it's not a cross for me on you know, there, there's no coffee table <laughs> in between me and it. It's just like uh, Star Wars is at my fingertips and right at my eyeballs. And it's strangely intimate and I really love it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I would not have thought that was going to be my answer to this question. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it strangely is. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about all that experience of uh, watching it on the small screen and the even smaller screen. Do you ever want to see Mando or a Clone Wars or Rebels arc on the big screen with a crowd? How do you think that would translate? Is that is that something you hunger for? I do, and I and I, w- I will say I've seen uh, Rebels. I saw the final two episodes of Rebels at the press event where they screened it on 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 the big screen. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and look, I you know I, I fortunate, and I was sitting next to Dave Filoni during the screening. Uh, it, I think it was me, Perry Nemiroff, and then Gre- and Dave. 
and Dave sits down, he speaks and then he comes and we realize, I was like, Perry, he's going to sit next to us. He sits down. He's got the cowboy hat on. He just looks at us. He's like, Hey, how you doing, man? I hope everyone enjoys this. And it was very sweet. And uh, it was, so it was a different experience, but it's fun. And I got to tell you, it translates pretty well. Like, and I think season seven Clone Wars was designed the, the letter final four or five oh. episodes was designed to be a movie in my head. And I think uh, one day I wouldn't be surprised if we see it somehow, some way on the big screen. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just obviously it, it, it that was uh, almost constructed as a, uh, Hey fans ask for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you know, cause it's not just the way it was shot, but literally constructed with the, you know, it didn't have the moral at the beginning of each chapter. It was, you know, yeah. it was this, these, you know, episodes uh, that built up to this totally built together to be this amazing thing. So I'd love to see that. Uh, I'd love to see one or two, you know, Mando episodes that would be yeah. amazing strung together and to just, uh, especially since obviously there is some varying opinions about Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, but in general, that's something that people have been really excited about. And I would love to see it with Mark Ellis and be like, Hey, does that theme hit different in a theater? Yeah. You know, when it's all around you and it's, you know, that theme is so Mando's music and I find it fist pumping, you know, once it really gets established that like somebody pisses off Mando and you know, he's going to act and he turns and the music starts. You're like, Oh, here we go. (laughs) You know, uh, that I wonder if that experience would be different for somebody like Mark Ellis in a big theater with everybody cheering when that, you know, when that theme drops. I think, I I think it would. And I think, I think he would be the first to say, yeah, that, that that hit in a different level. Yeah. Uh, I think it would. Yeah, so I'd I'd be super excited to see all of that. Uh, e- either individual episodes, things like that Clone Wars finale, which is made for it. Uh, I'd even be happy to see a, something that's kind of constructed to be like a a best of Ezra narrates his journey, and we get to jump from moment to moment. That'd be cool. I'd be, I'd be good with that. I'd be good with that. Uh, if you could watch a re-release of any Star Wars movie in any theater, uh, what would you want to see? Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, mm. Revenge of the Sith, hand, hands down. So. Um, Saw it in the theater, but that was the one I saw of the prequels. I mean, you know, I think for a lot of us, there was a sliding scale, right? I saw Phantom Menace eight times in the theater, Attack of Clones, eh, three, four, Revenge of the Sith, I think I saw two. Um, <laughs> eh, you know, again, different, also life change, you know, job change, yeah. you know, I'm in a different spot in life, let's let's be honest. But uh, first Foon was one I described Friday night and with, with a couple friends and, and that girl and everything. But um, a second one, I went with actually my friend, um, uh, my friend Joel, uh, who was my roommate, we, I moved to LA with, went to high school together. And he was one of those friends. He was one of the people's and people in like 10th grade. We kind of had a math class together and we made a hardware, I made a hardware wars reference. And he's like, you know, hardware wars. And we became lifelong friends because we knew the language of pop. As I, as I said, we, we spoke the same one together. Um, we went and saw it. We, so we set the cinema, dome, uh, which is classic, big, you know, one of the parents. And we sat in front of this row of, of uh, two moms and like their kids, like it was like three or four, nine year old boys. And, and man, I, I may have mentioned before and I, I, years ago, but like when Palpatine gets, when he, when he takes out Mace and that whole sequence up there and Palpatine screaming, Anakin, help me. Those kids directly, I mean, behind us in our ears were terror bawling, screaming as if, uh, you know, Jason and Freddie and any horror creature in the world just jumped out in front of them. Like it was, they were traumatized. And I got to imagine <laughs> those kids are now in their early twenties and they got a podcast called Sith center. And they're talking about, uh, you know, how they used to be scared. Just like I talk about, I used to be scared of the rank or monster. 
Um, so that was the last viewing I saw in the theater. So I would love to go see Revenge of Sith again with a fresh set of eyes that had the way take the movie now, Mustafar, uh, maybe a, you know, a, a 4K Dolby mishmash version, whatever it is. You, you kids tell me what it is these days. Uh, I would love to see it and experience that movie, that opening sequence, boom, mm. boom, boom, and, and, and the big battle over Coruscant. Uh, man, that would be, that'd be a fun experience for me. Yeah, I think I'm I'm the same way. Uh, I, I'm I'm lucky to have an, a, a lot of uh, opportunities to see the original trilogy, um, mm. and I know other people do as well. But but uh, LA in particular, you know, most seasons for the Hollywood Bowl, there's a uh, either a New Hope, Empire, or both. Sometimes Return of the Jedi. I like see the orchestra play it along with the film. Uh, mm. Opportunities to see it. Uh, I saw Empire Strikes Back at at the Ford, which is a outdoor amphitheater that can do live theater or uh have a screening uh, and that was mm-hmm. a great one where somebody came uh cosplaying kylo ren and it <laughs> yeah uh, it, it felt like kylo's watching his parents old home videos about uh, the adventures they had before he was born uh yeah. so i've got some great opportunities to see the original trilogy in a theater with an audience what i really want is to see in particular attack of the clones or revenge of the sith uh in the theater on the big screen Yes, uh, the, the explosions that are just uh, almost too loud yeah. <laughs> from the great speakers. And it would be fun to see them with, I would love to see them with any audience and just see how they react. But, you know, now, you know, knowing that there are, you know, the, the generation that grew up with those films did not have any of our baggage. And so much of that generation, not everybody, but so much of that generation loved those films. I would love to see it with the generation that grew up with them, you know? I would, just feel that utter love. Yeah, I would love to do a four-center screening event, and you can only get in to see Revenge of Sith if you have a prequelist T-shirt on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everybody, you know, gather up for a photo and scream unlimited power. <laughs> Beautiful. Four-center con, here we go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to wrap up our uh, discussion here, Ken. Mm. Uh, I, I sometimes bang on about this idea of comfort and adventure and how we, how we crave both of them. And I think star Wars is really like that. We have that comfort of it's a private world that we can disappear into, uh, you know, back in the day on our VHS alone at home or now anywhere you're sitting, you got your tablet and you just disappear into star Wars land yourself. But then we also crave, you know, the, the big theater experience where you don't know if anybody next to you is going to be on their phone. You don't know if people are going to boo. <laughs> you, know, you don't know what you're going to get. And that's the thrilling adventure. And it's the sound of that Star Wars theme just blaring out of those speakers. And it's adventure, right? Yeah. So you, you, it can be both of those experiences. So I want to ask about both of those. Okay. So imagine however you want to, you know, what you're doing to prep, well, you know, what, what you're eating and drinking, uh, you know, what you're going to do afterwards, uh, where you're seeing it, whatever it is. Walk me through your, your ideal Star Wars experience. If you're trying to create, first, we're going to do comfort. Walk me through, if you're trying to make the most comfort viewing possible, what is your ideal Star Wars viewing? Um, again, all prequel shirts on, even for sequel trilogy movies, it means you have a deeper appreciation. No, um, yeah, I, I, I want to be surrounded by, uh, uh, what I love if, if, if we got, if this is an event, right. If it, you know, a home, just, you know, make sure I got the new slippers on, not the old ones. Uh, I, I want to be surrounded by it and, and I want those around who are going to not, not just blindly, you know, love it like I do, uh, right. Um, just be there for the joy, right. But then all food out of the way, <laughs> home or theater, all food out of the way. We don't eat during the movie. 
Um, yeah, no loud chips. No loud chips. Um, uh, and then um, just to be immersed in what we're about to watch, costumes on display, all those kind of things, toys on my house, toys on display. And, uh, and then just know that we don't have to get up right after. We can just sit there and take it in. Uh, oh. I love that experience. You, you, me, was you, me, Sarah, Grace, and then Van William, uh, my pal Van William. We were, went to the, one of the Collider-hosted screenings of Rise of Skywalker. And we kind of just stayed up in that row just talking about it afterwards. Yeah. That's the kind of thing I want. I want to create that atmosphere just so we can really climb into this world, stay in that world. And, and like you said, you and Sarah not wanting to walk home yet. I want to find a virtual <laughs> figurative Musso and Franks that we can all hang out afterwards. <laughs> or maybe Musso and Franks. Yeah, or, or the actual Musso and Frank. Yeah, when we can. No, I love that. I, I totally agree with you, too. I think it is uh, uh, about the, the emotional pitch you're making, that it mm-hmm. is how can you just be in that warm bubble of, yes, we accept that there's criticisms and analysis to be had, but it's also okay to just let yourself embrace unconditional love for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And what my mind went to is I had such a great experience at Star Wars Celebration. You know, I was picturing like, okay, there's a, you know, it's not even a new theater, it's just a, a rescreening, you know? Right, right. And you're at Star Wars Celebration. You know, I just bought an action figure. Uh, they're allowing drinks. So I have uh, not a beer, but a cocktail that I can slip, sip very slowly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching just, I don't care which one, you know? yeah. Uh, Attack the Clones or Revenge of the Sith would be great because I want to see those with an audience. But, you know, I, I'm with, you know, a, a group of friends, but also just this room full of people of all ages who love Star Wars enough that they bought tickets to a convention. And hmm. yeah, we'll debate it later and joke about it and nitpick it later. But for the for the time right now, we're just totally in this other world, just yeah. unconditional love audience, just celebrating Star Wars. Love it. Love it. That's why we hear yeah. why you, it's you, you, me, Jennifer started this thing and it's still the same vibe. And it doesn't mean you have those, don't have those deep discussions later, but there's so much, uh, so little joy sometimes in the world. <laughs> I like to have it in my space sagas. Yeah. Give yourself the gift of joy. And to wrap up this discussion about how we literally watch Star Wars, if you were trying to create the most thrilling, like you were uh, <laughs> in the galaxy itself, taking risks, what experience of watching Star Wars would bring out that sense of this is a thrilling, unique, big adventure? Wait, are you talking? Wait, let me make sure I understand your question. You want me a viewing of a movie, and how could I make that viewing the most thrilling adventure? Yeah, like okay. if you like, you know, there's the 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 version of Star Wars we're talking about, like just it's comfy, cozy, right? Yeah. But if you wanted to feel that sense of just awe and wonder, and like I can't believe what I just saw. Mm the sort of more the thrilling adventure side of it. How, how would you set up that viewing? Um, it needs to, we, we take the center Ramadome, which is, you know, this giant, a uh, big curved screen. You feel like you're more in the movie anyways, it's not 3d. Um, and then you take the millennium Falcon from galaxy's edge and you pop <laughs> it in the middle of that theater. It would fit. And you, then you put it on some hydraulics and, and you make it like, and then you just, um, you get to fly around and, you know, you, you know, you just get to watch some of the scenes, but then like, if uh, you go into the Death Star, you get that Falcon moves and you get to, you're, you're like nine numb and Lando, you're going in, you're going in, you go in and your jaw, your soda and your popcorn flies everywhere. Uh, you feel it, you rumble, your seat rumbles. Uh, that's, that's what I want. Uh, you know, I want an interactive Star Wars. 
you want to sit in or on the Falcon. Yeah. That's great, uh, man. Uh, I'm sure they could do that at uh, at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Set up a giant screen outdoors and, you know, invite people to sit on the Falcon. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but physically, maybe possible. Yeah. I think for myself, I went back to, um, you know, I love the reserved seats at, at, at Arclight. You know, mm-hmm. I always, you know, I have my seats I like, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think when, when I was thinking about embracing the adventure of it, you know, I, I thought back to those days where, you know, a part of going to the theater was that anxiety of, you know, uh, w- which seats are going to be available, you know, is, yeah. is somebody's head going to be a little bit in my way? Like, I don't want all that all the time, but I got to be honest that that adds this like edge, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and I, w- I was thinking back actually to, I saw Attack of the Clones, you know, at midnight, friend pounded his fist on his thigh about Yoda. And then, I think I was supposed to have a rehearsal with another friend. And he was like, is it okay if we reschedule? Cause I'm going to go see attack the clones again. And I was like, yes. And in fact, so am I, <laughs> I'm going to come with you, you know? And I raced in my car uh, to this, one of my favorite theaters in Minneapolis. Uh, it's in, uh, it's called St. Anthony, Maine. Uh, and it is right on the edge of the Mississippi River in the heart of Minneapolis, like mm. literally uh, right by St. Anthony Falls, which is the reason that Minneapolis exists in a city. But it's this great place because you go into another world and then you step out and the world is interesting. You're not just in like a suburb some, somewhere with, you know, a Chipotle and a bank. It's like the river is rushing by you. So it's always this great segue back into like the real world's okay too. Yeah. Uh, so I would, uh, if I could have a thrilling thing, it would be, last minute decision to see a movie at St. Anthony, Maine, just race there. There's no reserve seating. Don't know if I'm going to be able to find my friend. <laughs> and then when you get out of the theater, uh, you, you know, you'd leave your car there and somebody would have a bunch of bikes Yeah, and they would say, you're going to go with your friends to discuss this movie at a bar. Uh, <laughs> And you're going to ride your bike there. <laughs> so that I could just like lean into that little kid feeling. I had it so much when I saw Solo at that uh, press screening yeah. with you of like, I want to ride a bike home because <laughs> that's what this movie, you know, makes me want to yeah. race, you know. Uh, yeah. that it, It's such a, I know I could construct that for myself as an adult, uh, you know, and maybe someday I will. But I just, I want to mo- leave a Star Wars screening with that, that desire to move, you know and zip on a bike yeah. just dump it outside a bar <laughs> bring it down you know your your uh, little bmx racer <laughs> yeah head inside your friend's house to talk star wars yes it would be physically taxing for me right now but i could do it i could do it. it so that's my my idea of thrilling star wars viewing but uh I, I like yours of sitting inside the falcon that's pretty damn good no wrong answer here no wrong answers. And I'm sure listeners have a thousand answers about their history of the different ways they view Star Wars and how it affects uh, how they feel about it, how they feel about the story. Do they want comfort? Do they want adventure? Do they like streaming it on phones? There's a million opinions out there and a million experiences. And, and we so love hearing about everybody's different experiences. So uh, by all means, uh, feel free to let us know what's important to you about watching Star Wars. Uh, but for now, Ken, this is yet another episode. When I wrote up these questions, we were both like, this is going to be a shorter one. <laughs> <laughs> we intentionally were like, oh, phew, we can do that. Get through this one faster. Yeah, this guy, yeah, it's me, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe hour 15. Like, nope, nope. Well, we went on a, a long and thrilling adventure. Uh, this was like uh, A New Hope being broadcast on television with all the commercials. <laughs> yes, indeed. 
Not quite, but that's it. Over to you, Ken. Over to me, indeed. And hey, if you want to follow us, uh, you can do so on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Check in over there. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And patreon.com slash four center is where you can support us directly from there. You can link to our discord, a private community of a great place to celebrate star Wars. Talk about all the angles of it uh, with us in that discord server. You can follow me at cadnapsack or go to cadnapsack.com. I also am part of something called the good people association production company, digital brand and empire fun. You can follow us at the GPA dot fun. Uh, Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website for all my other comedy adventures, including uh, my podcast Obsessed, uh, the Adult Swim show I write for Tigtone, which you can also check out on HBO Max. Info about all those things on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for all the friends we've watched Star Wars with over the years, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.